So I welcome you to church, and uh, I would like to welcome those that are worshiping with us for the very, for the very first time. Amen. So let me welcome in a very special way my brother Mbato. Mbato, can you just stand up? Anyone else also who is there for the first time, please kindly stand up. Uh, we bless God. Mbato is a very dear friend of ours. Uh, he's the student at uh, Luana, and uh, it's great to have you in church. God bless you. You may take your seat. Amen. Hallelujah. So we continue with our message on the dawn of a new day. And this is a new day. I thought you would say amen. This is a new day. And the Bible says that his mercies are new every morning. So even today, his mercies are new. Hallelujah. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. It is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and we will be glad in it. And somebody say amen. Hallelujah. Let's send our Bibles to the book of Psalm 119. I'll read verses 89 to 93. Psalm 119. And I'll read verses 89 to 93. Uh, we need to make sure that we finish the service today uh, within the time allocated for this service because, as you know, we have a service at 10 o'clock for Chicheo as well. So uh, I'll share briefly and then we'll have the prayer session for today. We have got two more days to go uh, in our month of fasting and prayer. And we just want to bless God for everything that God has done. My sermon this morning is bringing everything together that we've been praying uh, for in the month of June. And we thank God for answered prayer. Amen. Psalm 119 verse 89. If you found it, say amen. Let's read that scripture together. Verse 89 to verse 93. One, two, three, go. Forever, O oh Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Your faithfulness endures to all generations. You establish the earth and it abides. They continue this day according to your ordinances, for all are your servants. Unless your law had been my delight, I would then have perished in my affliction. I will never forget your precepts, for by them you have given me life. Amen? For us to have life, it is only based on the word of God. And that's why the psalmist declares, he says, for me to live is Christ. And to die is gain. Uh, that's Paul. And in, the, and in the book of Psalms, I think 118, he says, I shall live. I shall not die, but I shall live to declare the works of God. Amen? So the Bible says forever. Not only sometime, but forever. Whatever forever means. But for me, forever can mean everlasting. Forever can mean forever. Forever can mean you come, you go, but this world, you live it. 
and and the Bible says one day heaven and earth will pass away, but his word will remain forever. Hallelujah. And the Bible says forever, O God, your word is settled in heaven. That means when God has spoken that word, there is no man that can change what God has spoken. Hallelujah. And he says your faithfulness endures to all generations. From generation to generation, the faithfulness of God remains constant. Hallelujah. Says you establish the earth and it abides. They continue this day according to your ordinances for all are your servants. And he says, unless your law had been my delight, I would would then have perished in my affliction. I will never forget your precepts. For by them you have given me life. And why would the psalmist write that word? And and why would God declare that forever his word is settled in heaven? Why would God that by would say by this word we are given life? Why would God say that? One of the things I want us to understand... And even as we go into a time of prayer, is that it is God's desire. It is God's desire that he beautifies your life with his sure and unusual testimonies. It is the desire of God that a day like this you can stand and say, the Lord has done me good. Hallelujah. And, and you know, the whole of this month I've been saying, when God does things, he does them on a normal day. He does them on a normal day. For other people, they carry on doing on whatever they are doing. But God does something else in your life. And for you, it becomes a supernatural day. It becomes a day whereby you say, Lord, you have done me good. If you look at the events of last night, in Mozambique, they were not doing fireworks. In, in Brazil, they were not doing fireworks. In Tanzania, they were not doing fireworks. In Zambia, they were not doing fireworks, but I'm told they were fireworks. Some of us, we didn't hear anything. But I'm told there were fireworks. I'm told people were celebrating. I'm told people were jumping. I'm told people were doing all sorts of things last night. Celebrating and saying, God, you have done us good. On a normal day. Absolutely normal day. And, and our new president, I can... I, I can assure you that he never thought that a day will come like this and then he will be pronounced president on the day that he was pronounced president. But it was on a normal day. And I'm using these examples for you to understand that what he has done to him, he can do in your life and it's going to be on a normal day. And you will have unusual testimony. And you're going to have a sure testimony. And you'll be able to say for this to happen is because forever, oh Lord, your word is settled in heaven and nobody can change what you have established. Hallelujah. It is God's desire 
that there should be a constant flow of blessings in your life. It is a God's desire that there should be a constant flow of favor in your life as you continue to wait on God. It is great to wait, but to wait on the Lord. I know sometimes he sounds as if, it seems as if he is delaying. There are moments when you want God to do something else when it is no time. And if there is a painful thing, he's waiting. But I thank God, our sister, she was leading intercessions. He says, you know what God does is that when the moment of birth has come, there is nothing else that can stop that delivery. Because it is the time. And in Isaiah 66, in verse 9, as you carry on, it says, Shall I bring to the moment of birth and not cause delivery? That's God. It is his doing. It is established that he should do you good, that there should be a constant flow of blessings in your life, that there should be a constant flow of favor in your life, but it is important to wait on God. It is God's desire that there should be a flow of unusual testimonies in your life. That when you testify, people say, Ukunama. It is God, God, that's God's desire for you. Amen? It is God's desire that you should triumph in the face of every challenge. Whether you like it or not, you are going to face challenges in life. You will face them. And they will come. And, and I say this over and over again. Over and over again. There will be challenges. There will be battles. There will be wars. There will be moments in life whereby you'll be perplexed. And there will be moments in life whereby you, the only prayer you can pray is God help me. Where are you, oh God? But I want you to understand it is God's desire that you should triumph. In the first of every challenge. There's no challenge that comes to consume you. He comes to make you triumphant. That you can testify and say, he has given me victory. And you know, every time God gives you victory, you declare, I will lift him higher. I will lift him higher. He has given me victory, I will lift him higher. It is God's desire concerning your life that he should restore you. From life's poisonous challenges. Some of the challenges that come upon us in life, they come with poison. And it is God's desire that you be restored from that. That for you, your testimony should not only be, oh wow, life has done me hard. But God is able to restore us. God is able to restore, it is his desire that he should restore everything you have lost. Otherwise, the Bible wouldn't have said he will restore. And you know what God does when he restores? He restores the years. He doesn't restore only days. He says he will restore the years that the canker worm has eaten, the chewing locust has eaten, the consuming locust has eaten, the climbing locust has eaten, the crawling locust has eaten. All the years that have been lost, God is able to restore them. Hallelujah. He is able to do that in your life. There is a caveat as I carry on. But that's God's desire. 
Because sometimes when, when you have lost things in life, and, and one of the things that God can restore in life is time. God can restore time in your life. Whereby you think, I have wasted my life. I have wasted my time. God is able to do what no man can do. He is able to do that. And the Bible says he's able to do it exceedingly, abundantly, above and beyond what you can think or imagine. What God is able to do in your life, you have not yet come to the point of imagining it. Hallelujah. God is able to restore. God is able to restore every malito blessing that has been stolen. God is able to restore that. Because when you're going through those challenges, you think God can't restore, but God is able to restore. God is able, it is this desire that every sickness, every ailment, every disease be rooted out of our bodies. It is the desire of God that you should live a healthy life. It's God's desire. Hallelujah. It's God's desire. It's not God's desire that you should be saying, Mutuangao. It's not God's desire. It's God's desire that you should live in health. You should live in health. And he says, I've come to give you life in abundance. It's God's desire. It's God's desire that you should live long. It's God's desire for you that you should live strong. It's God's desire that the testimony of Jesus should be awesome in your life. You know, there, there are moments, they, they, when you eat meat, when you eat meat, until when you become, you become very healthy, conscious. But when we were young, and there is a pot of meat, you would always go to where the fat is. Because whether you like it or not, fat tastes nice in the mouth. And you can say, doesn't mean that the other one is not nyama. It's also nyama. But this one, because of the fat, it is nice in the mouth. And it's God's desire for you that you should be able to have testimony. The testimony of Jesus should be awesome in your life. Hallelujah. It's God's desire that you be preserved healthy to fulfill the purpose and the destiny that he has given for your life. You know what? In the book of Proverbs 23.18, it says, Surely, there shall be a hereafter. Let me just go there quickly. Proverbs 23.18, and then I'll come back to my, my scripture. It says, For surely, there is a hereafter. And your hope will not be cut off. And your hope will not be cut off. There is a here after. Meaning that whatever you are going through today, things are not going to be like that forever. Hallelujah. Whatever you may be going through today, one day it will become history. And the testimony of Jesus will be awesome in your life. To the point that God 
desires that he keeps you healthy and the reason why he wants to keep you healthy is that you should fulfill the purpose of God in your life and the destiny that God has for your life. And that's why the Bible says that hope will not be cut off. When we are having intercessions, we call that enduring hope. Enduring faith. Because sometimes it looks like Where is my life really going? Where am I heading to? But God has a purpose for our lives. God has a destiny for our lives. Hallelujah. It is God's desire that you should manifest the spirit of excellence in every area of life. That when people look at you and they can say, this woman is diligent. This man is is diligent. There is nothing that he does or she does that is not excellent. And that for you, they can testify like Daniel in Daniel chapter 5 verse 12 that as for this man Daniel, the spirit of excellence was in him. That you don't operate under mediocrity. Anything you do, you give it your best shot. Hallelujah. It's God's desire that the spirit of excellence and you know what does the spirit of ex- when the spirit of excellence begins to operate in your life when you begin to become very diligent in life doors whether you like it or not they begin to open people begin to look for you hallelujah that's what happened in the life of joseph it is god's desire that his presence should go before you it is god's desire That his presence should go before a family. It is God's desire that his presence should go before a church. It is God's desire that his presence should go before a nation. That's why the Bible says in Psalm 33, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Righteousness exalts a nation. But sin is a reproach to any people. It's God's desire. It's God's desire. That he can reign and rule over the nations. It is his desire. That you as a child of God. You should have divine understanding. It is God's desire. That you should have divine insight. In all areas of life. It's his desire. It is his desire. That you should have divine ideas. Divine ideas that launches you. Onto the global stage. Divine ideas that, that eventually begin to perpetuate generational worth, generational prosperity in the name of Jesus. And the Bible says the blessing of the Lord maketh one rich and he adds no sorrow with it. But you need to operate under divine insight, divine ideas and have a divine desire for God. And God is able to launch you onto a global stage. Hallelujah. It's his desire. It's his desire. Hallelujah. It is his desire that you should walk in dominion. Otherwise, Genesis chapter 1, 26 going downwards wouldn't have been there. It's his desire that you should walk in dominion. It's his desire that you should reign wherever God has placed you. Or planted you. It's his desire. Hallelujah. It's his desire that you should accomplish. Great and unique things in life. 
Not that you should become a copycat. Yes, you can learn from others, but when people want to look for authenticity, they find it in you. It's his desire. Hallelujah. It's his desire that his perfect will be accomplished in your life. No matter what you have come up against, it's his desire. Hallelujah. It is the desire of God that he should cause you to possess double for your shame. Because whether you like it or not, even as children of God, sometimes we suffer shame. Sometimes we suffer shame for walking with Christ. Sometimes we suffer shame for wanting to do right. Sometimes we suffer shame for aspiring to live a life of integrity. Sometimes we suffer shame. The world can mock at us. The world can laugh at us. But it's God's desire that you possess double for all the shame you have suffered. Hallelujah. And for all you have suffered in life, it's his desire. It's his desire that even your children should possess their future with abundance. It's not the desire of God that your children grow up and they grow up in poverty. It's not the desire of God. It's the desire of God that when your story is being told by your children, by your grandchildren, they can praise God for your life. It's the desire of God. Hallelujah. It is the desire of God that irrespective of the wicked plot of the enemy, you should possess your possession. He says, gathering they will gather, but not because of me. Isaiah 54, 15. It says, whosoever gathers against you shall fall for yourself. It's a desire of God. Hallelujah. So all these things and many other things I can mention, they are guaranteed as far as your life is concerned. They are guaranteed. And what God has done to give that guarantee, he has not only given guarantee towards these things I have said, but he has also given a guarantee concerning your salvation. And he says that guarantee is the Holy Spirit. Amen. In Jeremiah 1 verse 12, it says he watches over his word to perform it. It's the desire of God that they be a performance of his word in your life. It's a desire of God. That's why it says forever. My word is settled in heaven. It's a desire of God. When he says, I know the plans I have for you. They are not plans for evil. They are plans to do you good. They are plans to give you a future. And this is a future you haven't gone to yet. And God says, I know. Why? I created the heavens and the earth. And you know, as far as human beings are concerned, as far as us, as children of God are concerned, we are the only replica on planet Earth that looks like him. He made us in his image. He gave us his likeness. We are superior than an elephant. We are superior than than a, a, a rhino. We are superior than a hyena. We are superior than a leopard. We are superior than anything else. We are created in the image of God after his likeness. And he has said, I want you to walk in dominion. The kind of wisdom we have, 
the kind of intelligence we have, the kind of insight we have, no animal has this kind of insight. Why? We are created in his image. And here is a caveat. However, the way you receive God's word matters. And there are only two ways to receive God's word. I'll begin with the first one, and then the last one we'll pray. And I want you to make a determination, looking at everything else I have said. The way you receive God's word matters. Number one, you can receive God's word as a word of men. You can receive it as word of men. And the moment you receive it as word of men, it will have no impact in your life. The people you see, God doing amazing, amazing things in their lives is because they receive the word of God in the second format. But let me dwell on this first one first. Saying that you believe in Jesus doesn't mean that you have faith in him. Because even demons believe. Even Satan believes. In the book of James chapter 2, verse 19 to 20, the New Living Translation puts it like this. It says, you say you have faith, for you believe that there is one God good for you. Even the demons believe this. It's in the Bible. So even the demons believe that there is one God. The devil also believes that there is one God. Hallelujah. And possibly another thing that the demons do, which us children of God don't do, is that this scripture says, apart from believing that there is one God, the Bible says they also tremble in terror. They tremble in terror. Hallelujah. But you know what? Trembling in terror, believing there is one God, and believing there is Jesus, one thing I can tell you for a fact is that you are not going to find the devil in heaven. You are not going to find demons in heaven. Their believing will take them nowhere. Hallelujah, church. So, James writes, and he says, how foolish. He says, how foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? So, saying that you believe in Jesus doesn't mean you have faith in him. Saying that you believe in Jesus also doesn't mean that you trust him to fulfill his promises. You can say, I believe in Jesus. But possibly you haven't gotten to this point of believing that he can fulfill the promises I have declared. And you know what the Bible says? The Bible says the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. That means he cannot pack track on those promises. Hallelujah, church. Faith is more than intellectual knowledge. Going to Bible school, going to learn theology, going to do all these things which are nice and having all the intellectual knowledge does not mean you have faith. Hallelujah. 
faith is something you do. Until you begin to act on that word, you haven't started living the life of faith yet. Faith is active. Faith is not passive. Real faith involves making a commitment to trust. And I repeat that word, to trust in Jesus. And trusting Jesus against all odds. Romans chapter 4, verse 20. Talking about Abraham. Says, even though he was past the childbearing age. But he hoped against hope. He hoped against hope. And sometimes, and I'll, I'll speak this a little bit to, to our beloved young ones in church. And especially those that are not yet married. And those who are still believing God for a husband, still believing God for a wife, and they are thinking, but you know, especially the ones that struggle most with this one are sisters. Because they say, I am growing. And my biological clock is ticking. Because they have heard all these other things that people tell them. They are menopause. And then after menopause. And then you may not have a child. And they have been told the year when that menopause happens. And they are so scared. God has put a desire in them to have a child. Because that desire did not come from them. It's God who put it in there. And he didn't put it in man. And they are counting their years. It's now 23. Now it's 26. Six, now it's 31. The man of their dreams hasn't come, and the biological clock is ticking. Understand there was Sarah. Hallelujah. There was Sarah. And she was past the childbearing age. I've heard and seen and read testimonies of women who have given birth at the age of 45. Hallelujah. I've heard and seen stories of women who have given birth even beyond 45. Nothing is too hard for our God. Jeremiah 32, 17. Jeremiah says, our Lord God, you have made the earth and the heavens by your great power and by your outstretched arm. Nothing is too difficult for you. Nothing is too hard for you. And I, I come here to testify and proclaim there is nothing too hard for our God. Hallelujah. So faith is more than intellectual knowledge. It's making a commitment. Jehovah, I will trust in you. Others trust in chariots, others in horses, but I will trust in you. Your belief and your commitment to Jesus is reflected in the things you do. The way you believe in Christ. The way you are committed to the Lord, it's always reflected in the things you do. Not the things you talk. Talk is cheap. The way you do things, that reflects what you truly believe in. Hallelujah. Paul writes in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11 to 14. says you have become dull of hearing. You have become dull of hearing. By this time, you ought to be teachers. You have need 
again for someone to teach you the elementary principles. You have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is an infant. But solid food is for the mature. Who because of practice, take note of that word, who because of practice have their senses trained to discern good and evil. When you come to Christ, you must come to a point whereby your senses are trained to discern good and evil. And now you're becoming mature. And what Paul is trying to say in here, he says, you came to Christ. And all these years you've been Christ. Time has been passing. And because of the passage of time, by this point in time, after you learned A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P, Q, R, S, T, U, V, W, X, Y, Z. He says, now, when you are in standard eight, you shouldn't be saying A, B, C, D, E, F, G. That's what Paul is saying. Says now you have come to college, you are in the university, you still want to go back and learn A, B, C, D, A for apple, B for bow, C for cat, D for dog, E for elephant. You are in final year in college. Doesn't that sound finish? That's what Paul is writing here. Says time is going. You shouldn't continue going back to learn A, B, C, D, E. By the time you ought to be entering university, you're going back to primary school. And you're learning the alphabet all over again. I get amazed. You've been walking with God for some years and you still want to be given assurance of salvation. To this day, you still don't believe yourself. The thing that makes you to think you are still not saved is the thing you do. The things you do, they make you begin to question the salvation. Because if you are really committed and given fully to Christ, you'll be amazed. I was talking to a young man, I was with Pastor Son. He's getting married sometime this year. He doesn't come to this church. And I said, when did your relationship start? You know, Pastor Says 2011. So this is 2020. Says yes. I say you've been in a relationship for more than nine years. Says yes. Mentioned January 15th of the day he started the relationship. And I said, Have you slept with your girlfriend? That's the question that I ask. And he says, Uh, uh, no. I said, Have you kissed her? says many times, I said you have laid a wrong foundation for your marriage. You have opened the door and the snake will bite. It makes you make things right. And I said, have you undergone counseling? Oh no, we have gone through four sessions. I said, it's not enough. You need a minimum of six months of intensive counseling before you get married. 
said, we don't come to your church, but we believe in one thing. The body of Christ is greater and bigger than any denominational boundary. You need to undergo counseling. Because otherwise, you will become a statistic of those who have gone through separation or divorce. There are some things you need to be taught now. And I said, what the four sessions, which, which, what have you been taught? He says, I have forgotten. I said, you see. You see. You see. Hallelujah. So this is an example of somebody who wants to get married this year, but he still wants to learn A for apple. B for both. F for friend. M for mango. says no. It's a sign that you have become dull of hearing. Hallelujah. It says by the time you should be communicating the truth as teachers of the word. You need to have someone to communicate to you the truth again. You don't need that. And so he says solid food is for the mature. Solid food is for the mature. Who are the mature? Let's answer that question. You are mature if you have trained yourself through constant use of scripture. Through constant use of scripture. You are now becoming mature. The mark of spiritual maturity is not how much you learn. It's how much you put into practice. That's the mark of maturity. When you hear the word, you put it in practice, you begin to become mature. When you hear the word and you do nothing, you are becoming dull of hearing. The way you receive God's word matters. Number two. Apart from receiving the word, just as the word of man, which has no impact in your life, you can also receive the word of God as the word of truth. Just as it is. You receive it as the word of God. And the moment you receive it as the word of God, and it begins to, begin to get absorbed in your bones, it will begin to have an impact. Of David, the Bible gives this testimony. God gives this testimony about David. In Acts chapter 13, verse 22b, he says, Paul had gone to Antioch and had explained to them about Christ and everything else. And the Gentiles were happy that now they took him be served and everything else. And in the process of giving them the background to that story, he says something else in Acts chapter 13, 22. And in verse 22, B, he says, I have found David, the son of Jesse. A man after my own heart. And I love the last phrase there. Who will do all my will? Who will do all my will? There will be no part of my will that he will not do. And God says, I have found a man. And you know, the way God said, I have found David, son of the son of Jesse, it can be said of you, I have found Patrick, the son of Njawala. 
a man after my own heart. Who will do all my will? It can be said of you. Hallelujah. I have found promise. Amen. Hallelujah, church. It can be said of you. A testimony like this can be given of you. I have found Sunganani, the son of Manjolo. A man after my own heart. And that's my cry. That's my cry. That one day God said, I have found Macduff, the son of Botipiri. A man after my own heart. Who will do all my will. That I will not be tempted by what I see around me. But I will question myself and say, God, what is your will in this? All of us have been praising Justice Kachari, Dr. Justice Kachari. But you know why? Why he has done that thing is because of his stand in Christ. All, all of us Gentiles who are saying, a man of integrity, a man of, you can never become a man of integrity without Christ. You can't. You should be ready to die for your faith. To be able to say, this is what the word of God says, and I'm not going to the left, I'm not going to the right, this is what I stand on. Integrity is not about courage. Because there are other people who are very courageous. I was busy following what was happening on, on those Facebook pages and other people who were talking and there were people saying, ah, look this one who is, who is talking. We have a file. May it never be said of you that they have a file. God is still looking for the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Who can say, Nebuchadnezzar, you can turn the fairy penance, you burn it seven times more. But you know what, Nebuchadnezzar? We will not bow. We will not bow. The God whom we serve, he is able to deliver us from that fairy furnace. But Nebuchadnezzar also understands this. If he chooses that he will not deliver us from the fairy furnace, we will still not bow or we will not. You should try to be like a Daniel who is... Who after they have checked everything against Daniel, they couldn't find anything against him except to do with the law of his God. Hallelujah, church. So the new president is in. Who will check? He's the pastor. We thank God. He fears God. We thank God. And when they announced yesterday, he lifted up his hands to heaven. We thank God. But you know now, we will check. We will check. Hallelujah. Amen, church. I know I may be punching a hole for some of you, but I, I don't care. I'm speaking the word of God. And all I'm saying is we will check. That's all we are saying. And don't think that I'm crying that we have lost. I don't belong that at the other side. I'm just saying we will check. Because the Bible says righteousness exalts a nation. But sin is a reproach to any people. Hallelujah. Amen, church. I'm sorry if I'm punching holes, but I have to punch holes. Because not everybody else who is going into government now is born again. 
place you forget. There are others who are saying, ah, now it's our time to plunder. That's when we'll check. And this time you hear me now talk. I didn't want to talk before. I wanted to talk now. Amen? That we can see people who believe in Christ. Stand for Christ. Amen, church? In the spiritual realm, the opposite of ignorance is not knowledge. It is obedience. That's the opposite of ignorance. In the spiritual realm. In the physical realm, when you don't know anything, they say you are ignorant. But in the spiritual realm, the opposite of ignorance is not knowledge. Because you can have as much theoretical knowledge as you can have. But you know what? It's your level of obedience. That's why God spoke of David. He says, this man will do all according to my will. Joshua 1.8 says, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You shall meditate on this word day and night. And the Bible says, and observe to do all that is written in it. Then you have good success. Then you prosper. Amen? And that word God has never backtracked from it before. Amen, church? Obeying scriptures, obeying scriptures is the key to spiritual maturity. In the long term, when people check the process of learning, when you begin to learn, in the long term, you retain only 10%, about 10% of what you hear. That's why, even when somebody is leading intercessions here, I take notes. When somebody is leading intercession here, I take notes. Why? Because I know I can only retain about 10% of what I hear. You come to church on Sunday, and a lot of you, I see, you're just looking at me like this. You think you remember all this I'm saying. You won't. You only remember possibly what I've said, that he says you will check. That's, that's the only thing you remember. That's all. That's all. You only retain about 10% of what you hear. And you only retain about 50% of what you see. But you retain 90% of what you do. When you begin to do the word, you retain 90%. That's why James said, don't just be listening to the word. Do what it says. Do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourself. If you do what he says, God will bless you for doing it. James chapter 1, verse 22 to 25, New Living Translation. Let me finish with a few uh, quotes. There are people who have walked with God before us. And one of them is A.W. Tozer. A.W. Tozer died in 1963. And A.W. Tozer, as a young man, one day he heard a street preacher preaching. And the preacher said, if you don't know how to be saved, just call on God. And A.W. Tozer Wasting no time at all. Did exactly that when he got home. And his life was never the same. One of the books that A.W. Tozer wrote was 
the pursuit of God. The Chiteka family sang the very same song. Ama na utumfune na ambwe ama jita kufuni kwa. Muka onanzano hako ela pili. Ama jita kufuni kwa. Muka mwona nzimaya adamanga nsalupa mimba. Ama jita kufuni kwa. Ndufuna ndikuze nlerolo chirunga wa church. Mulungu ama jita kufuni kwa. Ndipo Bible lima nangakuti. Mfune funeni iye po pezeka iye. Ndipo muzadani muzampeza. Ena numpakapa nusimnambi kumfuni. Mufuna ye aji kufuna. Nangwa kufuna ni nayo tembe ni kamfuna yoto. But after this, you begin to pursue him. And A.W. Tozer became a Christian. After he became a Christian, became a Christian pastor, a spiritual mentor, and an author. And this is what he says. Just a few things that A.W. Tozer wrote. And when I read this, I said, God, thank you. But everything else that I'm going to read to you right now, it's due rightly to that beautiful moment in the attic when you receive Christ as Lord and Savior. Here is one thing that he said. He said, God never uses anyone greatly until he tests him deeply. God never uses anyone greatly until he tests that person deeply. And the reason why he does it is to make sure that the rough edges have to go. That you become a man after his own heart. When he's talking about David, David was tested in every way. Along the way, somehow he sinned. But that's the beauty about David. Launders. Amen. You just repent and say, God, I forgot I am your child. So I have messed up. And let me say something else which has come upon my spirit right now. Any of you young sisters here in church, if any of the married men in this church send you a text message and say, Mugakumani, let me know. It's time to begin to kill people. Understand? Just feel I need to say that. I don't know why I'm saying it, but let me say it. One of my jobs is to protect the sheep God has put in my care. Amen, church? So if you receive, Kayakutu Mizdani, Kayampamba, I said, transport in the men around that to Mr. Kale to Kumanikwaka and Pepuza. Let me know. I'll approach them directly. I'll say, so you will, Manena Zawaka and Pepuza, Matijan. You will do a fiti, do a fisi, the way we will go to Gahena. Where your ears are dull of hearing. You are the ones you come in the church and you begin to consume the sheep and are not allowed. Apart from I will check, I'll also not allow. Hallelujah. I'm saying it. God will never use you greatly until he tests you deeply. And Tosa said, it is doubtful whether God can bless a man greatly until he has hurt him deeply. 
hurt as in pain. Since it's doubtful, it's doubtful whether God can bless a man greatly until that this very same God has hurt the man deeply. And A.W. Tozer says, the reason why many are still troubled, still seeking, still making little forward progress is because they haven't yet come to the end of themselves. We are still trying to give orders and interfering with God's work within us. Remember, I've said in church before, there is only one God never dare to apply for his position. Hallelujah. He says, and Tozer says, God never hurries. There are no deadlines against which he must work. Only to know this is to quiet our spirits and relax our nerves and have no pressure for you to be able to say, the word of God is true. And I, I am saying the word of God is true. And as I'm saying this, it doesn't mean that everything for me has worked. If I tell you some of the things that I'm going through, you will never believe it. But I will not say it. But one thing that God has spoken over and over, I am God. And I watch over my word to perform it. And what I have declared, I will do. It may not be in your time. You may be worried about your deadlines. I don't work against deadlines. So you sit there and you wait. I said, oh, okay, I'll wait. Hallelujah, church. Charles Spurgeon, and then we pray. Charles Spurgeon says, in the same way the sun never grows weary of shining, nor a stream of flowing, it is God's nature to keep his promises. Church, what did I say? It is what? God's nature to keep his promises. And his promises are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. If he says there is a new day, it's going to surely come. Hallelujah. And Charles Spurgeon says, Therefore go immediately to his throne and say, Do as you promised. Stand up. Begin to tell the Lord, do as you promised, Lord. Stand up. Just stand up, begin to pray and say, Lord, do as you promise. Just tell the Lord and say, God, do as you promise. Do as you promise. God, I, 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 I'm, I'm here to say, you just do as you promise. Open your mouth. Begin to pray. Begin. Yehovah Satyad Safrumila. Tell him and say, God, I have known today. You don't work against deadlines. You do as you promise. Begin to pray. Begin to pray, church. Begin to pray.